Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Ashley. For those who don't know, I've been sober for two years and seven months. I am a recovering alcoholic, and I started this podcast to shed awareness, not just to sobriety, but to mental health and to just living a healthy lifestyle. And by healthy lifestyle, I mean a mentally healthy lifestyle. Um, I struggled a lot with that in early sobriety because I had just been a people pleaser. I had not set boundaries with anybody. I let people walk all over me and I was just so timid to share my actual feelings with people because I just thought they were going to leave, which goes back to my abandonment issues. And I, I know now, obviously my mom did not leave because of me or my brothers, but I do know that she left because of my dad, but that doesn't mean that I still don't have those issues. Like somebody did still abandon me. So it is rough sometimes and I don't have much of a relationship with her today and I don't think that will change unfortunately. I think that I'm kind of just in a place where I know who I should have really close to me and who I should kind of have at a distance. So I'm going to dive in. So as many of you know, I use Russell Brand's book, Freedom From Our Addictions, as my guide to the AA program. So he did AA and NA, and he kind of took those two programs and put them in his own words and put them in the steps. So I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to kind of dive into it in a way everybody can understand, whether you've gone through the steps already, whether you want to do it again. I really recommend this book to anyone, even if you've done the steps before. This book was so eye-opening, and he also had just started a podcast at the same time. So it was almost like a book club when I got this book because he was promoting the book on the podcast. And his podcast is great. You definitely have to wean out some of the episodes. He's very politically open, and he's open about so many different things, which is why I really love him. And his thinking is a lot like mine. So I really related to this book so much because he was explaining how he felt, what he thought and it really did resonate with me so I'm gonna go through so there's two pages here and there's okay this is the first time looking at the 12 steps and then this is the 12 steps in the way he saw them in his mind so here we go number one we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction that our lives had become unmanageable so everyone when they decide to get sober most times something rock bottom has happened to them something there has been some kind of awakening in them that helps them realize what am I doing so his number one step the way he interprets this is are you a bit fucked now that is a really good way to interpret it because like is there anything in your life where you're feeling that way I definitely was feeling that way a hundred percent so step two We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Then his number two is, could you not be fucked? So is there a way that you could live a lifestyle and not need the substance that you're abusing? Number three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number three, are you on your own? going to unfuck yourself. Then number four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number four, write down all the things that are fucking you up 
or have ever fucked you up and don't lie or leave anything out. Number five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Honestly, tell somebody trustworthy about how fucked up you are. So you can't keep that shit in. You cannot keep that shit in. Number six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number six in his words, well, that's revealed a lot of fucked up patterns. Do you want to stop it? Seriously? Number seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number seven in his words, are you willing to live in a new way that's not all about you and your previous fucked up stuff? You have to. Number eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them. Number eight, prepare to apologize to everyone for everything affected by your being so fucked up. Number nine, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so, so would injure them or others. So in that term, it's, If you have a restraining order against somebody, but you know you have to apologize to them, I would just personally write a letter and not send it. But that letter is really good for yourself. A lot of people think the amends is actually for the other people, and it's not. It's a lot of it's for you. So number nine in his words, now apologize, unless that would make things worse. So you have to be able to recognize that. And this step took me the longest, personally. Number 10, we continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Watch out for fucked up thinking and behavior and be honest when it happens. So if you're feeling like you're craving, if you're feeling like you may relapse, if it is getting hard for you, that is when you need to be more aware. Number 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out so now 11 in his words stay connected to your new perspective finally number 12 having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps we tried to carry this message to addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs number 12 look at life less selfishly be nice to everybody help people if you can Now, this is huge, guys, like huge. So the way that I'm going to go through his his version of them, because it's if you really compare and listen to them side by side, it's crazy because it's it's so much about God. And I believe in God, but I have my own views on that. So it's like to have God be so much in this. A lot of people have a hard time with that. And a lot of people say, okay, have a higher power, have a spiritual power. And that's great. But the way he explains it is just such an easier way for somebody to understand. And a lot of people get really overwhelmed in the steps because they have to use their sponsor. And use that their sponsor's already gone through this probably multiple times and works with other people. And they have this clear view But you also want to just be careful because when it's in his own words, it's just so much easier to understand and comprehend. So again, we're going to go through his steps in his way. Okay, number one, are you a bit fucked? So I'm going to use my personal experience for all these to kind of give you guys 
some examples. So are you a bit fucked? So I was super fucked. I was driving legally for years. I kept getting DUIs. I got three in total. I was ruining every relationship I had because when I would, I would push everything down and I wouldn't be honest with people. So when I drank, I would be super honest with everybody. And if somebody I had a problem with had just texted me hi at that time, I would really freak out. Like I would just freak out. And people who I did have issues with who still contacted me, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough pattern that I was going down. And I knew it was unmanageable. Like I knew I couldn't keep living this way. Then number two, could you not be fucked? Do you see yourself in a life where you do not do these things anymore? Did I see myself in a life where I'm driving legally? Did I see myself in a life where I'm not continuously getting DUIs, where my relationships aren't unhealthy and fucked up? Number three, are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? We on our own are the only ones who can unfuck ourselves. No one can do this for us. We cannot do this for anybody else. We need to do it for ourselves. So for example, if you're deciding, okay, I want to do this for my family because like I'm going to lose them if I don't do this. Well, you're doing that for yourself because you don't want to lose your family. If you're doing it for your children, you are doing it for your children so that you can be a better parent, a better role model and have relationships with your kids in the future because I was never around active addiction growing up. I've talked to a lot of people who have been and it changes their world so much and it and not for the better. They could become addicted themselves. They could completely steer away from substances because they don't even want to know if they'd have a problem. So number four, write down all the things that are fucking you up or have ever fucked you up and don't lie or leave anything out. That's really important because everything I could write down the conversations I had with people, I could write down, you know, going on a date with somebody and maybe continuously dating them because they were buying me free drinks, right? Um, I could put driving without a license. That is something I definitely don't recommend. Don't do it. I am personally fighting to get my license back. So don't ever do that. Number five, honestly, tell someone trustworthy about how fucked up you are. This is really important because you can't keep everything in. And as addicts that's what we do we keep everything in which is why part of the reason why we use so by telling someone else trustworthy it's easier and in this chapter I remember him saying it's also easy to find somebody trustworthy but that doesn't know you well enough to justify what you did so like if I had a really close friend that was there for me through all my addiction I can't go to that person because that person isn't going to tell me what I need to hear you know, and what they tell you really isn't the point. You need someone who you know will just listen and just go, okay, thank you for sharing that with me. And in these chapters, he does dive into what he does and how that all pans out. Number six, well, that's revealed a lot of fucked up patterns. Do you want to stop it seriously? Now saying something out loud helps us recognize like, okay, that's not normal. I shouldn't be doing that. And it gives somebody else the space to react, to react to the things that you did. And, you know, all of my family knew that I drove like that at any time I could have gotten pulled over and gotten in trouble. And you don't want to do those things and anything I was doing, you know, and we just form these patterns. And once we tell somebody else and we hear ourselves share that, it does, it makes you think about it differently. And you're like, whoa, 
that's crazy. And would you want someone else to go through those things? Absolutely not. So that is a really, really, really big, big thing to realize is your patterns. Number seven, are you willing to live in a new way? It's not all about you and your previous fucked up stuff. You have to. So one thing that people hate to recognize is the fact that as addicts, we are insanely selfish. It is we are being selfish because we don't want to feel. So we're doing whatever the fuck we want to not have to feel that. And we don't really care about anybody else when we're in this. Before and after, you know, before my addiction, after and now my recovery, I I feel so much remorse all the time for certain things because I'm like, I can't believe I did that. If I see somebody get drunk and act a certain way, like it will bring back flashbacks for me. And it's almost like a PTSD. It's really weird in in that time to feel like that. And you just want to be aware of those things. And then we're going to go to step eight, which is prepare to apologize to everyone for everything affected by your being so fucked up. Eight and nine were the hardest things for me to do. Most times it is. And because in these steps and like in step four, you're doing, this is the emotional recovery part because you're going, okay, I need to make amends, but I don't need to just make amends for me. I don't need to just do that for me. It is for the other person too. Although the other person most likely has already in their own way accepted it and they're fine. Everyone I did amends to except one person said that I didn't need to do that. And I looked at them and I was like, I need you to let me finish. So number nine is now apologize unless that would make things worse. So that is a situation where if you have a restraining order against somebody, if it's an ex-boyfriend, if it's a family member you decided is so toxic you can't talk to, if it's a person you drank with and you can't talk to them, I recommend writing out your apology in a letter and burning it. Because you wrote it and you got it out. Getting things out is so important in recovery, but you did, but you're not going to send it. And that's okay. To people who are, you can communicate with, I would do it. It brings a lot of awareness on their end and it helps them see you in a different way. And it helps them start to accept your recovery. It took the people in my life almost two years to accept that I was sober. Because there's no proof like how I could go home and I could be getting drunk every night and just turning my phone off and not driving and not doing all the fucked up shit. But when you're in your addiction, you do all that fucked up shit and you don't have control of yourself. Your ju- the judgment part of your mind is gone. It's erased. So now step 10, watch out for fucked up thinking and behavior and be honest when it happens. This one is huge because you will think about your substance. You will think about like, really, would it, would it be so bad if I like had one drink? It would be so bad if you had one drink if you're an alcoholic. So you need to be aware of these behaviors. When you feel this way, this is when you really need to reach out to that support system and talk through that. Talking through things will help you realize what's going on. What are you trying to run away from? Are you trying to cope with the substance and cope in a healthy way? And then number 11, stay connected to your new perspective. You need to stay connected to this new way of living and you can't hinder from that. I found that having a routine in the morning was really helpful doing the same things every day. Even if it's, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to make my bed, I'm going to make my coffee, 
I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to some music. I'm going to listen to a couple songs in the morning and just get like in this space. I'm going to meditate in the morning. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to begin my day. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to, there's, and then that part, how you're going to live your day, that can vary, but try to do the same things every day. Like I would wake up, I would brush my teeth, I would make a cup of coffee and I would sit down and I would, I would thank God again. I believe in God. I would thank God for helping me maintain my sobriety for this long, helping me stay sober for X amount of days. In the beginning of my recovery, I was very strict about counting my days. I felt like it helped me realize that like I was on a good path and I was doing a good thing. So now number 12, last final step, look at life less selfishly, be nice to everyone, help people if you can. So this is really important because it's, you know, they say, share your story, help somebody that you see struggling. And a lot of people can do this through AANNA because you can be a sponsor. You can go up and have a conversation. You can give somebody your phone number. You know, for me, because that's not the route I went to, I have created a recovery, I would say community on TikTok. I have an Instagram that's about sobriety that I let people DM me and send me messages anytime. I have a subscription page, which is only $5.00 where I do a live a week, I do a Skype with them a week, and I post a few times a week, and I do a journal prompt with them. And I let them contact me whenever they want, whenever they're having a problem. And I want to talk to them about it. You know, when people do ask me for advice often, so I do that. I'm very out loud about my recovery now, and it wasn't always like that. This took me time. So you can say that step 12 took me to like two years and maybe three, four months. I worked through therapy to get over my embarrassment of my story. And I was so shameful of it. And I was like, I can't share this. Like, this is so bad. I went to jail and I did this fucked up shit. And now I'm fighting to get my license back. But it's part of healing. And it's like, you can't just do the 12 steps and be like, okay, yep, that's it. That's over. That's not what I did. I went into therapy. I've been in therapy ever since. I have switched therapists. You do need to find a therapist that is right for you. I find that sometimes, I think the therapist I have now, I won't change. But the one before, it's like, I kind of even almost knew in the beginning that after a certain point, it probably wouldn't be working for me with her anymore. And that's exactly what happened. So it's, you want to maintain a healthy way. And for me, therapy helped me do that because I was able to speak about my past trauma and we were able to work through that. And for me to accept, okay, well, my mom is just the way she is and she's not going to change. She doesn't want to change. And she's a huge trigger for me. I know it's hard for me to be around her. So I just need to be mindful of that. And I read a lot of different books. One book that I really loved that helped me create boundaries was The Gifts of Imperfections by Brene Brown. I also watched her Netflix special to search her name. She is amazing and I love her content so much. She also has a podcast. Her podcast episodes are very lengthy because she does talk about these serious issues. Um, Another book I read that was really great was Untamed by Glennon Doyle. She also has a podcast and it really talks about just society and how like, you know, when our parents, I'm 34, so my parents were born in the 60s and when that happens, it's a different way of life. It's my grandmother stayed home with the kids until they were went to school and she took care of everything in the house like my grandfather never even cooked so when she passed away 
She passed away pretty early. She's still only 59. It's, he didn't, he literally microwaved dinners until forever because he didn't know how to do those things. And that book really breaks the barriers and it just shows so many different things. A lot of people, if you follow her, you know that she is now gay. She has a partner. She is with somebody who's equally as awesome. And it really talks about her like going through that and like different things she does with her kids. I don't have kids. So for me, I read those parts and I was like, this is what you should be doing with your kids. She's teaching her kids how to cope. And that's so important, but it does teach you a lesson as well. So that's a really good book. I did read Alicia Keys autobiography, which was really mind opening. It's not, she doesn't go through anything with recovery, um, pretty much just like a personal recovery, like with herself. And it explains like the whole, a lot of people get confused with her because she sometimes wears makeup, but sometimes she doesn't. She does whatever she wants with her hair and she really does whatever she wants. She doesn't let the industry anymore really tell her what to do. So that's a good book. I read Jessica Simpson's book and it's eye-opening to see like what her behaviors, behaviors were, how long they lasted, the fact that no one really said anything until like it got so unmanageable for her. And um, if you watch certain Ellen episodes, like you can see that she's wasted. Like you can see that she's drunk. Because she just, and she's always been like kind of, she plays like this stupid girl. And you've always seen that. So a lot of the times when she acted like that, no one really thought anything of it. Because she's just, she just plays like this dumb blonde role. So that was super eye-opening. And it tells her, it tells her story. It doesn't really tell what she did. Like it says that she like started therapy and that's really all it says about the recovery part. I thought that she would have dived more into what she does on a daily basis, which she didn't. So I was a little disappointed with that book, um, but still a good book. And then another book that I read, it is a two-part series, and it had nothing to do with recovery. She actually does drink. Um, she's pretty open about it, too, in the book. So it's Eat, Pray, Hashtag FML by Gabrielle Stone, and then The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl by Gabrielle Stone. And it she has serious abandonment issues from childhood, and you can see how that plays out in her life and how she like gravitates and she goes through a pretty messy divorce and then she meets somebody and he basically, they're supposed to go to Italy together 48 hours before he dumps her and was like, I want to go by myself. So they actually take the same flight, but go different ways, but he's trying to remain like friends with her. And it just goes through that and it goes through how she grows and how she, she goes on this journey by her, by herself to Europe. And it just goes through that and it goes through how she dealt with triggers, how she helped herself. She didn't love herself. And it really shows how she has gone through this self-love journey. And I recommend that book to anybody. And you don't have to be, I was happily married when I read these two books. And so it's not like you have to be in a certain place. So what I recommend is that you don't just do these steps. Because just doing these steps is not going to get you to where you want to be. You're still going to be missing something, unfortunately, because in recovery, I have found that I can learn something every day. And that's really important to me. And I can read a book and books are great. Library cards are free. You don't need to go out. This book by Russell Brand is most likely in the library. So you don't even have to go and buy it if you can't afford it. And there's websites too where the books are like three bucks. If you go on Amazon, you can get them used if you want to keep it. I personally will not ever give my copy away. This book reminds me that I needed to do this. And it reminds me of the beginning of my sobriety and I don't ever want to let that go. 
So what I ask is if you are sober, if you're trying to get sober, are you willing to do the program where you go in person or do via Zoom and do an AA, NA? And you need to remember when they say God, you just need to put a different word with it sometimes. And that could help. In the beginning, you do crave. And when you can't and don't have access to it, it's the best way, which is why, you know, a lot of people do a rehab program. But people can go to rehab, and I'm sure you've heard stories where people go to rehab like five, six, seven, eight, nine times. But they, they're not doing the work. They get home, and they're not doing the work, and then they relapse. I've heard stories about people who relapse at, you know, 18 months. Dak Shepard, I think he was, like, celebrating 17 years of sobriety. He relapsed recently, but super open about it. And sometimes talking about it, it reminds us, shit, this is what we went through. This is what we did, and we can't do this again. I will talk about my recovery until I die. I will never stop talking about it. I am very open about it now. In the beginning, I would just be like, oh, I don't drink. Now I would be like, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I don't drink. And people are like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, and being that open, it takes time and work. I 100% recommend therapy. Recommend getting any kind of self-help book that you think would help. And there's so many out there now. And getting yourself doing the program, even if you do it Russell Brand's way. Which I did it his way and I've been sober for two years and seven months. And I am so happy I did it the way I did it. I actually had this bad experience when I first went on TikTok. I talked about it quite often. And I had somebody be like, I really think you should come into this A meeting Zoom. You know, I just feel like you have like just such a bad example of what happened to you. And you have like this stigma with it. And I really felt like I did. I didn't feel like I would be like, hey, no one do the program. And a lot of people get confused because I did the program but didn't do AA and didn't go to the meetings or anything and didn't have a sponsor. So I went on to this Zoom and I personally don't believe that God did the work. I did the work. That's what I believe. God didn't take away the urge from me because I talk to people who have been sober for 30 years and still get cravings. So that is one thing that God doesn't do. He doesn't take away your cravings. He may put you in the right path, but you have to do the work. So thanking God for putting you on that path is absolutely acceptable. But thanking him for you doing the steps, thanking him for you doing your self-growth, the strides you make in therapy, that's you. And I think that's why in the beginning AA just wasn't... And this is before I even went to so many meetings to realize that God was like such a big part of it. And when I went into this meeting, and this was like probably a month or two ago now, it was so much about God. And there's so many different programs now. There's smart recovery. There's something called Recoven, which I've never worked through. I am interviewing um, somebody who did a recovery program here in Connecticut. And I don't, I think it was a rehab. I'm not 100% sure. So I'm interviewing him. Hopefully soon I may interview him in a couple months because Our recovery dates are the same, same year, same day, everything. So I may interview him on our, on our sober birthday. I thought that would be kind of cool. So you need to do these things. You need to soak them up and you need to reach out to people on TikTok. There is such a huge recovery community, but everyone on TikTok is very outspoken of their process. Some people, I don't agree with the people who have done no program. I believe 100% you need to do a program. This program is not hard. This program is easy and it keeps you on track and it gets you through so that you can do them. It's not made to be a difficult program. When you look at the big book, you look at it and you're like, 
I can't understand this without another person. Like, how am I going to understand this? There's many people, and there's some people who go to AA and NA who are, like, really adamant and supportive of the program. And will give you a really hard time if you didn't do it the way that they did it. I just like that I did it the way that I did it. I don't recommend it. Again, I was in jail for four months. So, for four and a half months, I was in jail. So, I didn't have any access. So, I was able to work on my shit with no access. But the real work didn't start until I got home. I didn't get this book until I came home. So... Basically, I just want to urge anyone who hasn't done a program or is in the process of wanting to get sober to pick up this book. This book is awesome. I'm not getting paid in any way to even recommend this book. I love Russell Brand. Um, If you follow his Instagram, he posts reels on there all the time. He has a YouTube page as well. He has his podcast and that's awesome. It is on every podcast platform. And I just wanted to leave you guys with this. And please feel free to ask me any questions anytime. If you do want to be interviewed for the show, please email me. My email is SoberGirlAsh at gmail.com. Again, SoberGirlAsh at gmail.com. Email me if you want to get interviewed and we can set up a time. But I just want to thank you guys so much for tuning in once again. Again, my name is Ashley. And have a great day.